Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Liberty Blues. I'm Sean Osborne. I'm John Phillips. I'm Steve Marin. And we're also joined by Cindy. Cindy Marin. <laughs> yes, yes, Cindy's a special guest today, too, as well. And we're joined by Aaron Pallet from the Pink Pistols. How's it going, Aaron? I'm uh, doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Although yeah. I, I will gently correct you, it is Pallet. I, I am your little Pallet. Okay. <laughs> yes. It, it, lots of people make that mistake. Don't feel bad. I should have said something earlier. Yeah, yeah. My phone pronounced, you got to hear what it does to people's names. As a blind guy, my phone reads it to me and it's some crazy shit that comes out of here. <laughs> so no doubt about it. Yeah, right, so your phone has me as A.A. Ron. <laughs> <laughs> you done goofed, A.A. Ron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, the wonders of modern technology. So mm -hmm. would you like to tell us a little bit about the Pink Pistols? Um, yeah, so you're you're the you're the national coordinator, right? Yes, I am. And there's are there branches like all over the country? Yes, we have somewhere around 55 chapters, give or take. Um, I don't really know how many of them are in existence at any one time because I have too much on my plate and I can't micromanage them. Um, sometimes they fade in. Uh, you know, new chapters start up again. Sometimes they fall out due to inactivity, but we've got roughly 55 chapters at any given year. Mm -hmm. How long have you been around? Uh, the Pink Pistols has actually been around for about 22 years now. It was founded in the year 2000, which I don't know about you, but still feels like yesterday to me. Yeah. But interestingly enough, it was created because a gentleman known as Jonathan Rauch, R-A-U-C-H, I may be butchering that pronunciation, he actually wrote about us before we existed. And it was a, a salon.com article. And he hypothesized a group wherein uh, gay people would arm themselves so that they wouldn't be bashed. And so the founder of Pink Pistols, uh, Douglas Crick, a.k.a. Cricket, thought that's a great idea. We should we should do that. And so he founded the Pink Pistols and literally took the name from Mr. Rouch. And that was 22 years ago. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that happened, you know, because, uh, you know, that's the that's the concept of the Second Amendment is to be able to protect yourself. And everybody needs that right to to protect themselves. I wish more people understood that. So Absolutely. do you get do you get some pushback from like say uh, more left leaning groups? I get pushback from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am I am a pro gun trans woman, and uh, so the right loves me because I'm pro gun, but they are really uncomfortable because I'm queer. And uh, so when I start talking about queer rights, they they get uncomfortable and they really <laughs> wish I would be quiet. Um, the left loves that I'm uh, queer and proud about it. Um, but when I start talking about guns and self-defense, that makes them really, really uncomfortable as well. Uh -huh. For it, and, and usually people ask me, well, why do queer people not like guns? And, and I'm happy to tell you, but you'd have to sit down and get comfortable because it's at least a 15 to 20 minute conversation. Uh, just the short version is that they've been told for generations that they don't need guns. Uh, that guns are the tool of the oppressor and that gun owners in general are conservative, heterosexual, white, usually men who hate them. And that's just not true. Right. 
Yeah, it, it is a lot of programming with people telling you that, that you, you know, guns are bad and this and that. You know, really the gun's the great equalizer that, that, that allows you to protect yourself, you know, against an attacker. And any, any community that feels threatened should definitely arm the hell out of themselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm a firm believer that gun rights are queer rights because guns protect queer lives. Yeah. Have you have you seen the group Black Guns Matter? You know, uh, yes, that's uh, Maj Ture. Yeah, yeah. You know, yep. I, I started following him for the same reason. I, I just I love the I concept of uh, a well-armed minority is not an easily oppressed minority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there is this condition in America, and I really am not sure why it is. But there is this perception that gun ownership is primarily a white thing, a straight thing. And it is a necessary evil that we have gun clubs for minorities, that we have gun clubs for queer people. I I wish that we didn't have to because, I mean, it's not like there is a club to preserve the First Amendment among uh, you know, left-handed Asians, because right. everyone understands that the First Amendment is for everyone. Mm-hmm. But having the Second Amendment be for everyone is a, a, a hurdle that some people just can't summit. And so, unfortunately, we do need these clubs, these organizations to to represent uh, people who don't feel represented or don't feel comfortable with traditional gun organizations. And I, I don't know about uh, Black Guns Matter. I'm not going to presume to speak for Maj, but speaking for myself, one of the things that I'm working for, ironically enough, is the complete elimination of my organization. <laughs> I, I don't want there to need the pink pistols. I, I just, I want firearms ownership and the second amendment just to be understood that it's for everyone and so we don't need our little special interest group anymore but until that day comes uh, i i have to speak up for those who can't or won't that's right yeah yeah I, I think i think that's great work uh what would be um i had a couple of questions they man they, they went they went flying through my mind what would it be uh like how how uh how pro-gun are you because you know me as a libertarian i i believe there should be no gun control i i absolutely hate it well, see, when I get asked this question, I, I need to specify, are you asking me the person? Are you asking me the head of Pink Pistols? Um, are, are you asking any or both? <laughs> <laughs> um, whatever, whatever you're comfortable talking about, because I like, I, you know, me as a blind person, obviously, I probably shouldn't own a gun. You know, so, you know, I understand that. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I shouldn't be denied the right. You know, maybe I'm a collector. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So speaking only for myself, not in any sort of professional capacity, but just personally, um, I have no problems with firearms of any kind, including the fully automatic types. Yeah, I get a little squirrely when people start talking about explosives, mainly because explosives are indiscriminate. Mm-hmm. Um and, and one of the things that was impressed upon me during my first stages of gun ownership was that, legally speaking, I own every bullet I fire, and I take that responsibility very seriously. And so I apply that to any other 
type of weapon as well. And it just just for me, I feel that I could not control an explosive. Therefore, I would not feel right legally owning um, every bit of shrapnel it produces. So I'm going to cut myself off there. Um, Flamethrowers are an agricultural tool. I mean, they're legal in most states. I have no problem with them. Um, mm. You know, poison gas and bioweapons, again, that's like the explosives even more so. Uh, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. So th this may annoy some people, but I, I am firmly against the private ownership of, of chemical weapons and bioweapons. And honestly, I wish governments didn't have to have them either, but I understand how parity works. Um, there's yeah, always gotta, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that shit either. There's always the reducto <laughs> ad absurdum of private ownership of nuclear weapons. Yeah. And well, I think I've made my stance pretty clear on, on indiscriminate, but there's also the fact that honestly, if you're rich enough to own a nuke, you can and no one's going to stop you. <laughs> I mean, if if Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or um, Elon, it, oh, good Lord, if, if Elon Musk wanted, <laughs> at least, you know, a, a backpack nuke, he would have them by now, yeah. uh, you know, deploying them ballistic. Well, actually, Elon Musk, he's got the rockets. He could. Um, I, I'm just saying once we get to that level, we are pretty much at james bond level super villainy and it's not a productive conversation yeah but, but but yeah any sort of of direct fire weapon whether it is uh bolt action semi-auto uh or fully automatic i am completely for yeah that's cool yeah excellent so, so what, you... what, let me uh, chime in yeah. there so one mm -hmm. of the reasons that it's necessary. I mean, people always say, why is it necessary for you to have like a military grade weapon or something like that? But the purpose of the Second Amendment, from my perspective, isn't for self-defense. The purpose of it is because you have a corrupt government mm -hmm. and at some point your government is going to turn on you. And that's what you got to be able to guard against. And, uh, you know, we have a local police force that's just a community peacekeeping force that has... Um, these military vehicles with armor plates that are used to arrest pot smokers. And so mm -hmm. if you have a community police force that's, that's armed to the teeth like that, you can't just let individual citizens have little pea shooters. They've got to be able to have something that's going to be effective to stand up to their government. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that too, John, um, with what you're saying. However, a perspective and, um, and, and not to um, not not to say anything bad, but as a white American man, um, you are on top of the food chain, and so when it comes to a female or or a minority or um, you know these these what I would say lower on the food chain. Um, yeah, we, my first thought when it comes to owning my gun isn't necessarily the government going to be, um, you know, coming in and, and taking over Lafayette, Indiana, where we live. My first thought of owning a gun is, is protection. It is, I, you know, I, when I, I'm taught from six, seven, eight years old, when I'm walking from the 
back door of some place out through a parking lot to my car, how to hold my keys as a weapon. Because when you are somebody who is targeted as prey, you are, you are taught to defend yourself from a very young age, or you learn how to defend yourself from having your butt kicked here and there and the other. So, so yeah, I personally think, you know, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. If the government were to rise up and all of these things can happen, that that's, that that's a possibility that could always happen in any society. However, when it comes to maybe pink pistols or when it comes to women liberal as I am, uh, or, you know, pagan as I am, um, my, my first thought about carrying a gun is strictly for, for protection. So when it comes to, should I own, you know, metal piercing bullets? I don't know, you know, I, I, I mean, deer out in the forest don't wear, um, you know, whatever vests. I think it's for both things. Yeah, you know, really, the the military grade stuff. That's that's what John's talking about. I think like handguns and stuff. That's really for more self protection. You're not going to use a handgun against a tank. Uh, right. So I, <laughs> that's I think all I think I, have, you, I would. <laughs> yeah, each each of them each of them have their place. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it, it depends on the situation. It depends on what you're defending against. Yeah, if you were just worried about your garden variety mugging or sexual assault. Uh, you know, that would be a pistol. And really the only advantage to a pistol is the fact that it is light and portable and concealable. You know, every, for every other thing, it sucks, but it's really handy to have on you. Mm -hmm. But if I have to face down a mob that's intent on burning right. down my neighborhood and my house along with it, you better believe I'm going to have a rifle and I'm going to have yeah. as, many as many magazines as I can carry. And so that's one of the things that really bothers me about the only the police should have. Look, first of all, um, the police have backup that will arrive within minutes and they're all dripping with qualified immunity. Right. I get what I have on me right then. And then I have to survive for the 15, 20 minutes or whatever until the police arrive to pick up the pieces. So I. <laughs> Honestly, I think I deserve everything the police have and maybe more because they have backup. I'm on my own. Right. That's that's my argument for why I think um, magazine pans and other things are just stupid. One of the um, one of the questions I frequently get asked is, well, what why do you need a 30 round magazine? And there's a picture of an old school uh, like 1930s KKK lynching. And, you know, they, they list all the people mm -hmm. that, that are lynching there. And it's like one, two, three, four. And gosh, golly, it's somewhere between 20 and 30. Yeah. yeah sometimes, sometimes you need to shoot a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you need to shoot someone more than once. Um, yeah. I, I don't remember exactly when this was. This was within about the past 10 years. I know that it was in Atlanta. And a woman was at home with her small child. And she was they, pregnant, too, I believe. Right. Maybe. Is that the same one I'm thinking of? Well, let's find out. And so someone was breaking into her house and she called the police and she retreated as fully as she can. She went up to the top room and hid in a closet. And all she cared about was protecting her child. You know, if the person breaking in wanted to ransack the house, he could do it. She just wanted to protect her life and the life of, of her child or children, as the case may be. 
And this person went up there and opened the closet. He was not there just to steal. Now, Mm -hmm. fortunately for her, she had a firearm. She had a, I don't know if it was a five shot or if it was a six shot, but it was a, a, a 38 caliber revolver. Oh, okay. She shot him in the face, in the face, five times. It did (laughs) not kill him. Now, he rapidly left the house because if you've been (laughs) shot, you know, in the face and neck five times, you're not going to want to stick around, which is good. And that saved her life. But he left the house, went downstairs, got into his car and drove for at least a block before he died of blood loss. Man. So, yeah, if you shoot someone in the face five times and they can get in their car and drive for a block before they die. Yeah. Sometimes you need more than a revolver's worth of bullets. Yeah. Yeah. If he chose to stay, he could have probably killed her if he had something he had enough in him to, to fight back. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a good thing he didn't have a gun because he still mm-hmm. could have killed her. Right. So, I mean, let me be clear. She did nothing wrong. It's just no. the human body is really, really weird. Someone can get hit with a 22 and die instantly. Or you can have that one shooting. I think it was in L.A. where the police pumped. I don't know how many dozens or hundreds of 45 caliber into someone until the guy basically just lost structural integrity and collapsed. Wow. Human body strange. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about that one. Or I mean. You know, there was a girl out here in the, I think it was in the 90s. She was asleep in her car named Taisha Miller. And I think they shot her 21 times. You know, I mean, she was asleep for God's sake. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you know, they, they, they do shoot a lot. So they know it takes a lot of bullets to put somebody down. So everybody else should have that right to be able to shoot that much as well. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I have been taught. And, and I'm not some expert at firearms. I haven't received a whole lot of training, but in the professional training I have had, we are taught shoot until the threat goes away. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that threat going away is falling and dying. And sometimes that threat going away is leaving the scene and either mm-hmm. one's a win. But sometimes you have to shoot someone more than once to get that threat to go away. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be one of my next questions. You got, do you guys organize any training sessions or anything like that for people? Well, Pink Pistols doesn't. But, and, and this is where I have to explain the difference between the two. But uh, my other organization, Operation Blazing Sword, does. Oh, okay. And I founded Operation Blazing Sword literally the day after the Pulse Massacre. Uh Because there were a lot of queer people who had, up until that point, been very anti-gun realizing that Pulse was our 9-11 moment, that it wasn't just a case of gay bashing and, and hate crimes are the result of a particular person not liking you, but it was rather there are a whole bunch of people who hate us as a demographic, and if we are easy targets, they will go after us. And that resulted in a lot of people going, maybe I should rethink my stance on guns. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they had been told all of their lives that, as I said before, gun owners are all are far right, conservative, you know, white men who just hate them and want them dead. And, and I knew that wasn't true because the day after Pulse, I saw this massive outpouring of support and love from gun owners who were saying across social media, look, I don't care what your politics are. 
I don't care what your sexuality is. I don't care how you dress or who you sleep with or or how you present what's between your legs. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're a human being and your life is precious. And if you want to learn how to use a gun to defend yourself, not only will I be happy to teach you, but I will provide the firearm. I will provide the ammunition. I will pay the range fees. I will make sure that you have everything you need in order to learn. All you have to do is show up and let me teach you. And I will do that for you. And I thought that was fantastic. And I wanted to shout that from the rooftops. And the thing is, I'm the one who had to because the way the Facebook algorithm works is that unless you frequently interact with people, you don't see their posts. And this was back in 2016 before, you know, they'd already tweaked the algorithm a number of times. And so I knew that these gun owners, their offers would not be seen by the people who needed to see them. But because I have a foot in both camps, because I'm both pro-gun and pro-queer, I knew that anything I did would have a much greater chance of being seen by the people who needed to see it. And that's how Operation Blazing Sword got started. At first, it was just a Facebook post, me putting up names and contact information and hoping people would see it. And then it just, it snowballed overnight. And so here we are, uh, what is it, six years from now? I'm not great at math. And um, we have over 1,400 volunteers in every state, every major metropolitan area, we've got, mm, I don't know how many, but I know that we've got several in Canada and we've got a few in other places of the world. We've got a, a couple in Australia where they really need to build their handgun, uh, their firearm culture. We've got a couple in Europe and it's, it's spreading. And because we are a 501c3 tax deductible charity, any expense our instructors occur in educating people in firearm safety and operation, they can then deduct as a donation to our charity. So we can't directly reimburse them, but they get it back uh, at the end of the year if they itemize their taxes. And so that's what Operation Blazing Sword is. And every year I do a report um, for, for <laughs> well, it's not the most accurate thing because I don't believe in forcing people to out themselves. If they don't want to go on record as having received training, that's fine. I respect their privacy. Right. But, you know, if you got training and you want to tell me about it, let me know. Hey, volunteer instructors, how many people did you teach? And uh, I'm still getting in reports for last year. Uh, 2020 was a banner year in a lot of ways because what with the lockdown and the Floyd riots, people were buying guns at a rate of about a million more every month. And it got to be so impressive that even uh, Michael Bloomberg's anti-gun house organ, The Trace, had to concede that they needed to write an article about responsible gun ownership for new gun owners. I, I'm not kidding you. I saw that my jaw hit the floor. This, <laughs> this, is, this is the political equivalent of a, an abstinence-only highly religious father realizing that his daughter is having sex and saying, okay, honey, I'm going to have to take you to Planned Parenthood uh, to get you some condoms or put you on birth control. It, it was that level of of cognitive dissonance. I, I still can't believe they did that. Um, but 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 uh, that that kind of skewed our numbers because a lot of our instructors didn't know if they were coming 
um, through Pink Pistols or not. But as of the results from 2019, we had a reported uh, training of it was it was over 52. In other words, it was more than training one person a week. Uh-huh. And those are just the ones we know about. There are some people who don't want to be uh, to to tell us about that sort of thing. So you know, you can throw in the internet vague factor and you know, one point five to whatever. Um, but the one thing I do know. Oh, did we lose him? Oh. Is that the number of people we train every We lost you there for a second. Could you back up just a second? <laughs> I have no idea where you lost me, but fortunately I'm recording locally. Uh, uh, where do you want me to back up to? <laughs> you, you just said, um, I forget. You said one important thing I have to say is, or something like that. Okay, well, if it's what I think it is, um, but the most important part is that our numbers have been steadily increasing every year since we started the program, and and that's fantastic. We are reaching more and more people. They are realizing that they need to learn how to defend themselves, and we are providing that teaching free of charge. So that's what Operation Blazing Sword does. Oh, that's great. That's really cool. Um, You're in Florida, right? Yes, sir, I am. How how are the how are the laws down there? Uh, well, we used to be known as the Gunshine State, and that was back in '87 because we were one of the first states to pass. Uh, I I don't know if it was just a concealed carry law in general, or if we went from May issue to shell issue, but we've we've peaked unfortunately, and people who know me know that I like to complain about Miami Republicans. And what I mean by that is that while the Republican Party presents itself as the party of gun rights, and whether or not that's true is an entirely different story, but Miami being the, well, I don't live there. I don't know how bad crime and drugs and gangs are, but I know that they were really bad in the 80s and 90s, and I presume that they're still pretty bad. So gun control is always a favorite topic of anyone from Miami, regardless of political party. And much like New York State is ruled by New York City, and much like Illinois is ruled by Chicago, we are basically ruled by Miami and then backed up by uh, Orlando and some of the other things like, uh, like Jacksonville and Tampa. And unfortunately, all of the big cities around here just love gun control. Now, fortunately, Florida has something that's known as preemption with teeth, which means that the gun laws are set at the state level and uh, counties and cities cannot change them. And if they do try to change them, then the people who pass the laws and who try to enforce the laws will get penalized at their own expense. So that's good. But we have been stalled out on not even constitutional carry, but open carry with permit for, I'm not sure, at least five years, if not more. And we're going to be stalled out for quite some time. Um, I think that there are two major things that need to happen. Um, 
Hmm. I think what Indiana the has the same problem. Pardon me? I think Indiana has the same problem. We were talking to Donald Rainwater about that, that the Republicans really don't back up like, uh, you know, open carry and stuff like that there, except for themselves. Yeah, that's the thing is, though, you don't have an NRA board member who has positioned herself as the gatekeeper of all gun laws in your state. And uh, and, until Marion Hammer decides that she's not going to make herself the gatekeeper of Tallahassee, um, I don't think we're going to make much progress. Uh, I'd be glad you don't live in California like me. It's a shit show out here from one topic to another. Man, well, why don't you live in in much freer America? Yeah, I know. It's... uh, I've, I've lived here so long. I guess, I guess I'm just uh, I'm glutton for a fight out here. You know, we got the vaccine mandates and everything out here. Mm. We're fighting against that and everything. Well, I mean, we do need people who are staying and fighting because yeah, once people uh, flee a state, then that state is pretty much that way forever. I mean, I don't think California is ever going to be pro-gun. Um, yeah, that's really tough. Yeah. Well, let me take a little break here and we'll come right back. Hi, thanks for listening to the Liberty Blues Network. Make sure and check out all three podcasts on our network. We have the Liberty Blues, a progressive and a libertarian walking to a bar, and Libertarian Los Angeles. Let us know what you think of the podcast and rate, review, follow, or whatever you can, wherever you listen. Thanks. Now back to the show. we're back so we were just bashing on california a little bit because our gun laws suck here what uh let's uh what what's your uh gun of choice what do you like um for which application (laughs) (laughs) a handgun let's say uh okay well i i used to carry a glock 26 and i i've had to stop doing that because as i've gotten older um, I started developing hip problems and arthritis in my lower back. And so the more weight I can take off my waist and hip, the better. And so ever since I developed that, I went to a, a smaller, cuter gun. It's a, a Colt Mustang chambered in 380. Okay. Oh, go on. And it's got the um, the extended seven round magazine with the little pinky grip on it so hmm. so that's that's currently what i carry when i when i go out yeah how about you cindy she's still there or we lose cindy too well she's muted oh you're muted cindy there i am <laughs> you just wish you could mute me no. <laughs> um i have a little 22 i've got a i bought a i've got a purse from a company called hiding hilda and they come yes, with I, know them. I love those purses yeah. <laughs> um but it, it it just holds my little 22 when i'm out running around and i've got a my ruger um 38 special revolver here at the house so what kind of 22 
You know, I would love to be more specific about it, but my, it was my aunt's when she passed away and literally got it and got the purse the next day and shoved it in there and then never really looked at it. I, I honestly don't even know if it's ever been fired. I know, I know it's loaded. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you need to take that to the range and test it. I absolutely do. That has been, it, my aunt hasn't been passed away very long. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll cut you that slack. But, but yeah, buy, buy a box of uh, ammunition in her memory and, and yeah. dedicate the range trip to her. <laughs> she would love that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What, so what about long guns? Well, um, like most Americans, I have an AR-15 and I also have uh, uh, an SKS that I've turned into an almost AK, or as some of my crasser friends would say, I TAPCO fucked it because (laughs) that was back in 2013, just after Sandy Hook. And I hadn't, I didn't have an AR at the time. I didn't have any semi-auto rifles at the time and you couldn't get an air 15 for love or money. And so I bought a rather cheap SKS and then I upgraded it and it's, it's my gun. I can do what I want purists, um, yeah. but, but, but my favorite gun um, is actually, well, it, it's not my first gun. My first gun was a little bolt action 22 because I got into guns through emergency preparedness but yeah, my that first was mine. oh awesome Before, yeah back when i could uh, back when it was a little safer with me having one in my hand <laughs> um but my first real gun and we're talking like 2009 or 2010 i bought a mosin the gaunt from gander mountain and it's it's clunky and it's heavy and it kicks like a mule but <laughs> for some bizarre reason i've just got such a fondness for it because it was my first real gun yeah and and i have tinkered with that thing the way teenagers would tinker with their jalopies back in the 50s and 60s (laughs) and i've i've tuned it and i i don't think i'm gonna win any competitions because i'm not that good of a shot but it does what i need it to do um, I, I, I can hit a fist sized target repeatedly at a hundred yards and, and that's all I need. Yeah. That sounds good enough for me. Yeah. Do you own any guns, John? I don't, but I'm in the market for a surface to air missile. If you know anybody who has one. <laughs> contact the CIA, they're giving them away. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to listen to this podcast and you're, you're going to get visited by guys in sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Now you're on a list. <laughs> I, I, this shit, I'm a list out here. <laughs> I live, I live in Los Angeles, man. I'm on all kinds of lists. <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about me. I mean, yeah, I'm probably yeah. already on some lists, and if right. not, I'll be on yeah. some more. Yeah, yeah. You, you just, you just made a new list today, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's good. So, how, how do uh, like uh? what like are you really in contact with like some of your bigger chapters like how do people get a hold of like some of your bigger chapters of, of pink pistols all right so what you do is you go to pinkpistols.org. that's our website and then on the left side there's a column called find a chapter and i update that periodically i've, I've just recently updated it and so you search by state and by city mm-hmm. and hopefully there's one near you mm-hmm 
unfortunately, we, we don't have as many chapters as we have Operation Blazing Sword instructors. Yeah. So yeah. I, that, that's one of the things I say. If you receive training from us, what I would really like is for you to, to join the Pink Pistols chapter or create one if there isn't one nearby and, you know, help perpetuate that because Operation Blazing Sword is for education and training, but you need community and you need sustainment because shooting is a perishable skill. You've got to go out and do it regularly. And it's always more fun to do it with friends. And that's what Pink Pistols is all about. You've got the camaraderie and you can talk about guns and not worry about people judging you because you're wearing your own guns or not judging you because of what sort of gun you have. And you can just go there and be yourself and, and learn um, what, what knowledge they have and you can refine your shooting skills and just hang out with other people. So, yeah, if you, that's <laughs> yeah. So, so do do you? Um, oh man, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> and he interrupted me too. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was just. I was just. I was just trying to say. Yeah, I was just agreeing with you. I didn't mean to interrupt hmm. you. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, when you when you get together in the groups. Uh, like, is there, is there, I'm not talking about that. Oh, I know what question I was going to ask you. Do you have like a donate button uh, uh, or something where people can donate any money to you to help uh, fund some of the, some of the training or anything like that, or, or to get people or advertising? Oh God, we need advertisers so bad. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out a lot of how to run this organization. So whenever I approach corporations, they always ask me things like, what kind of tiers do you have? And I go, tiers? I don't, I don't speak marketing. I'm trying to find someone who does speak marketing who can help me with that. But that's beside the point. Um, yes, we do have a donate button, but it's not through Pink Pistols. So here's some really boring stuff. Shoot it out um, there. You got to get <laughs> shit out there. I, I, um, Pink Pistols never incorporated until I came along. It just sort of existed as an idea that a lot of people went along with. When I created Operation Blazing Sword in 2016, I knew that I wanted it to be a charity. So I created it as a Florida nonprofit and then made it a national charity. That's why I say 501c3. Uh -huh. And then when uh, Gwen Patton, who was the first speaker of Pink Pistols, retired in 2018. She handed it over to me and the Pink Pistols incorporated only to merge into Operation Blazing Swords. So they get the same um, nonprofit status that Blazing Sword does. So if you want to donate to the Pink Pistols, you have to go to blazingsword.org. And that's the website for the parent company. And there is a, uh, a button, a drop down uh, right under the logo called uh, Donate, cleverly enough. And there are all sorts of ways you can donate. You can donate by PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, Zelle. You can mail a check if you're old school. You can support us with an Amazon link. You can use eBay for charity. We've got an online store where we sell uh, T-shirts and pins and stickers and masks because that's a thing now and yeah there's there's just all sorts of stuff at blazingsword.org slash donate and go there and you can find all sorts of ways to support us and and please do because unlike the gun controllers who are supported and run 
by a New York billionaire, we have to get by through donations from people like you. And yeah. the fact that we've managed to do that for this long indicates that there is a lot of support. But but I, I, I need to shill the company in order to to Absolutely. have operating funds. I find it just terribly amusing that you can buy a gun and a mask at the same place nowadays. And it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so much fun. Uh, hey, so are you guys a, are you guys affiliated with the NRA at all? No, we are not. It's a yeah. it's choice or. Um, well, that's a, that's a bit of a story, but the short version is they never expressed any interest in affiliating. And honestly, I wouldn't have done that anyway, because the NRA likes to control. Mm -hmm. And um, well, we, we want to do things our own way. And I want Pink Pistols and Blazing Swords to be big tent. I want uh, conservatives to be comfortable. I also want liberals to be comfortable because, again, the Second Amendment is for everybody. And for the longest time, the NRA was neck deep in that Ackerman McQueen driven culture war with NRA TV and um, you know, the, the, the stark fist of truth and all that sort of rabble rousing. And I didn't want anything to do with that because that alienated a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's quite a few gun groups out there besides the NRA. And, you know, the NRA has so much money with the lobbyists and stuff like that. And they, they don't do anything, you ask me. Yeah, well, I mean... I don't know if there's going to be an NRA by the time this uh, New York, I don't even know what to call it, lawsuit, inquest, whatever is going on with the NRA and, and Leticia Jones in New York. But by the time they're done, I don't think the NRA is really going to exist. It may exist in name, but uh. it's certainly not going to exist in function. And what I think is funny is that while the NRA is regarded as the 900-pound gorilla in the room, it's mainly because of name recognition. It really doesn't do a whole lot. Um, because, well, the Second Amendment Foundation, uh, mad shout out to my friends, the Gottliebs, um, they are doing fantastic things on the legal side of thing and, and suing the heck out of uh, cities and, and other governmental organizations that discriminate against gun owners. And they're doing a fantastic job. And the other side of the NRA, because a soapbox that I used to get on was the NRA should have two purposes and only those two purposes. One is Second Amendment advocacy and the other is firearms education. We've already covered Second Amendment advocacy through the Second Amendment Foundation. And if the NRA falls apart, um, you've got United States... Concealed Carry Organization, USCCA, which handles a lot of teaching. And I think those two organizations can help take up the slack. And uh, then, of course, you've got a lot of the rabble rousers like the Firearms Policy Coalition and Gun Owners of America. And I think, uh, assuming that it proceeds as I 
predict it will and the NRA dies, there's going to be that short burst of, yay, we did it. We killed the big bad. And then they're going to realize that a lot of gun owners felt that the NRA was way too moderate. Right. And there's going to be a lot more harder core uh, firearms activism. And, and I hope that comes as a bitter surprise to yeah. a lot of gun prohibitionists. What, what, for people that don't know, what's the, what's the case against the NRA in New York that you're talking about? Um, well, I don't know the proper name for it, but the very short version is that then Governor Cuomo decided that he was going to take down the NRA and he instructed his attorney general, Letitia Jones, to dig up dirt on them. Uh And I don't know if he expected to find anything or if he just wanted to harass them, but she went digging and lo and behold, she found something. And there have been all sorts of accusations of what, what's the term here? Um, Fiduciary impropriety. Uh Uh, In other words, the allegation, it's alleged, I'm not stating this because I don't want to get sued. Uh, The allegation (laughs) is that Wayne LaPierre is dirty and allegedly uh, siphoned off a lot of funds for personal use, including trips and expensive suits and paying for the apartment of a of a young college age, pretty blonde intern. We're just going to leave that where that is. And all sorts of other things. And just the more this goes on, the dirtier it looks. Uh-huh. Well, who, who's the chair of the NRA now? I know it was Oliver North. So that says that says a lot right there to me. But I, I don't know anymore. Uh, the most recent one was Carolyn Woods, but I don't know who it is now. But honestly, it, it doesn't matter. The, the president of the NRA is a figurehead, has about as much influence as Miss America does. <laughs> uh, really, all the power lies in the executive VP, Wayne LaPierre, and his hand-picked, uh, uh, we'll just call them cronies, um, yeah. on, on the various committees. Uh, and, and when you control the nomination committee and the ethics committee and the Treasury Committee and things like that, you can get away with so, so much, allegedly. Yeah. Yes, allegedly. <laughs> you know, uh, when you, I, I meant to mention this while you were talking about the donations. Do you guys take any, uh, y'all take any crypto uh, donations? Um, no, not yet, because I'm, I'm old and I don't fully <laughs> understand how crypto works. Um, I will ask one of my, my younger tech people if he can set up a, a crypto wallet. I think that's the term. Yeah, yeah. That that to me, I think that would be a good thing because you saw what they did with the truckers up in uh, in Canada. You know, mm-hmm. you know, they just they just stole their money. You know, yep. people who donated, you know, have a slight chance of getting it back, but they got to prove why they want it back or something like that. You know, it's because just great. it's my money and I need to eat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, but... crypto would probably be a good thing. You know, uh, that kind of that kind of thing because you know. A little harder for government to take it take it That's, from you that is a great idea i'll get right on it it's just yeah. it, it honestly never occurred to me until you said it you know <laughs> so there's you. there's actually um uh a really great interview uh, uh tom woods did with adam curry the old dj from or vj from mtv and he actually invented podcasts but he he has this whole thing called value added uh, uh idea and it's about donations and he said the average donation 
somebody get, most people don't give, but most people will give five bucks. Some people who have more money will give more. Some people get into numerology. So they might send you a lot of, you know, $2 things for the second amendment or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, things like that, or 1776, like a re- revolution kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And people send different, different value na- things like that. So if you encourage those kind of things, like say with crypto, that'd be really great. Cause mm-hmm. you know, that, that's that crypto mentality of, uh, you know, decentralizing and uh, not letting the, the government or the NRA or anybody else tell you what you can do with your life or, or your money or anything else. I like it. Yeah. It's really cool. So did any of you got any other, uh, you guys have any other questions? No, I don't think so, but it's been a great interview. Thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah it's did- very interesting. Yeah, thanks, Cindy, for coming on too. And Cindy, you're uh, you want to plug your book real quick? Which one? Ah! Yeah. <laughs> she's she's got a new book coming out, another one, and then we'll get I back. Do. To- I I I have I a, a new book that the ebook had was released um, February fourth, and paperback is coming soon. I don't know the exact time. It's called Unauthorized. I write under the initial C. L. Marin. It's I write all young adult. This particular one is dystopian. I love dystopias. Mm-hmm. Except for the one we're living through. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess why I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's actually, you know, it's funny. Um, I put, I do have some things in that book that um, that were kind of based on where we were going when the Oompa Loompa was president. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hear people always talking about you know, I was promised a flying car. Where's my flying car? Well, <laughs> you know, I grew up on cyberpunk dystopias mm-hmm. and, you know, we are pretty much, we, we're, we're pretty close to living in, in, in a Blade Runner uh, yeah. society. I, I just want to know, okay, where are my cybernetics? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if I have to live through dystopia, I want cybernetics, darn it. <laughs> yeah, I figure I'm getting, I'm going to get some bionic eyes at some point. Oh, exactly. In. I mean, you know, I, I'm not blind, fortunately, but my eyes are pretty bad, too. And it was just, yeah, I, I want I want 2020 and night vision and, yeah. you know, the enhanced and the whatever. What do, what do I have to do to get a bionic eye around here? Come on. And, and as a blind person, I don't know how much I want flying cars. I don't want one or two more directions to look for motherfuckers trying to run me down. Well, I mean, yeah, you live in California where bad driving is pretty much de rigueur. I mean, yeah. you want to... I don't want to contemplate bad driving in three dimensions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whoops, sorry. Fell out of the sky, landed on your house. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so did you want to give out your websites one more time and maybe your Twitter handle and all that kind of stuff so they can, uh, uh, Instagram and all that good stuff. Oh boy. Um, I, I rarely do those sorts of things anymore. We, we have them, but I don't remember. But uh, tell you what, if you guys have, like have show notes, I, I will get you that so that you yeah. can publish them. Yeah, but that is um, bio and send it on over. But, but yeah, uh, our website is blazingsword.org and pinkpistols.org, and you can find me uh, on on Facebook to search for Aaron Paulette, and you can search for Pink Pistols and search for Operation Blazing Sword, and you'll find us there. Yes. And, 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 and the Twitter handle, I believe, is at Pink Pistols. And if you just search Pink Pistols, it, it, it gives you a list mm-hmm. of cities. So that I know there's a few cities uh, that popped up. So And, and I believe fine. we are at Op Blazing Sword as well for, uh, for that. 
uh, it, instead, Operation Blazing Sword is too long for a Twitter handle. So oh, okay. it's op, op Blazing Sword. Okay. Yeah. So people should get active in, in your communities. You know, you, uh, you know, if you don't see anybody else doing it, then you need to be the one to stand up and do it. You know, other people will get up and follow behind you. You know, if you don't see, if you don't see anybody in your neighborhood taking care of this kind of stuff and, uh, and, and uh, getting this out in your community, then the, that means you got to be the one to do it. You know, if you recognize there's a problem, get out there and be the, be the solution like Aaron is, you know, and help out, spread the word and get people armed and protecting themselves and stop, uh, stop all the damn violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just one thing I want to remind people is that even though it may feel like we are very small and the government is very big, there are more of us than there are of them. And, yep. and I'm not suggesting like an armed revolution, although I'm not right. saying it's out of the question either. But the <laughs> point being is that they are government servants. They serve us. We put them in power. We can take them out of power. Yep. Band together. Let them know that you know, actions that you find reprehensible will not stand and stand up to them and let them know that unless they change their tune, they're going to be unemployed. Uh, you know, the power of the people is something that I think doesn't get enough press. And so uh, enough people that are motivated and are making enough noise will make the government stand up and listen. So let them know and let them know that um, it's their job to serve you. And if they don't do their job, they'll be fired. Yep. That, that, that's the way it is. That's a, that's a great way to end there. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, anytime, do you got anything new coming on or, uh, you know, any events you want to uh, promote, hit me up. We'll get you back on the show. I, I, I will absolutely do that. We currently don't have anything because we're still in the last stages of COVID hysteria. But yeah. one thing that I want our more legally minded listeners to look at it's something called NYSERPA versus Bruin. That's the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin is the current superintendent of police in New York State. And Pink Pistols, among others, filed an amicus brief for that. And it's currently being uh, seen by the Supreme Court. And this particular case has all sorts of ramifications. And if it depending on how the Supreme Court passes, this might see the end of May issue in this country. And so it's something that I'm very excited about and um, just keep an eye on it. Yeah, I think I, I read something about that. That's, that could be good. That's mm -hmm. what about the uh, uh, carrying a gun, like where they were trying to limit in New York. No, that was the previous case that oh. got mooted because New York changed the law. Oh, okay, okay. No, this okay. one is directly challenging the May issue portion of the uh, the New York State um, permit right. rules. I know I, I kind of flubbed that there, uh, but yeah, ch check it out. All right. Well, thank you for the information, and again, thank you, and thanks everybody for uh, John and Steve and Cindy. I appreciate it, and um, we'll see you on the next episode of the Liberty Blues. Thank you.